Accounting is present in every single industry in the world, in every single country in the world. So it doesn't matter where you go, what you want to do. They need somebody to keep the books. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Where Accountants Go podcast. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for this show. Well, I like to think that we always have interesting and inspiring guests for you on the program, but some guests just have inspirational stories that are just over the top. And I think you're going to find this week's guest to be one of those. Today, we have Elena Lavario on the program, and she truly does have an inspirational career story to share with us today. I didn't realize this when I invited Elena, but she came from much more humble beginnings than I had originally thought. I knew that she had decided to pursue her CPA certification a little later than some of us do, and and that was something I certainly wanted to talk about. But what I didn't know is that her family originally immigrated to the U.S. from Mexico when she was only four years old. Her sister and herself were the first to graduate from high school in their family, which was an accomplishment that was highly encouraged by their mother. And it was actually that knowledge of the Spanish language that she was born with that helped her later in her career by getting her some additional learning opportunities on the job that others didn't get. And of course, we're going to talk about Elena's career itself, and it has quite a bit of variety as well. A little public accounting, a whole lot of banking and even a few other industry experiences along the way. Elena really does have a wonderful story to tell, and I think you're going to come away refreshed after listening to this interview. If you do enjoy this podcast, please take the time to rate us in your podcast app. I know it takes a little extra effort, and it's not like you get an immediate reward or something like that for leaving us a rating, but it really does help others decide to try out the show, and thereby it helps them get some of the benefits that you yourself get from listening to all the stories of our guest each week. If you can find just an extra one or two minutes to leave us a review, I really, really would appreciate it. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started with this week's guest. Here's Elena Livario. Well, hello, Elena. Welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. Thank you for having me. No problem. Well, for the audience, we have Elena Lavario on the show with us today. And Elena is in the Midland Odessa area in Texas, which is sort of in the northern section of the state, basically. And I invited her on the show because I heard what a wonderfully inspiring story she has with respect to her career. If you're a non-traditional student or maybe you didn't become certified early in your career and you've contemplated going back for it, you definitely need to listen to this interview. We're going to cover Elena's career journey, of course, and I know part of it involves making those decisions for herself. So it's going to be part of the story you definitely won't want to miss. There's lots of inspiration and value in this one. Well, Elena, first things first, I do always like to start at the beginning so we understand sort of where you came from and how you got started in your career in the first place. What led you to decide that accounting might be a good possible career choice for you? You know, Mark, it's funny that you ask that question because accounting was not my first choice. I started out as a nursing student and I started working at a bank, you know, just to get my way through school. Um, And after about two and a half years of doing nursing school, 
I realized that I loved business. I fell in love with business and seeing the daily, you know, activities and environment that kind of took place around me, it really inspired me to maybe go back to school and go and get my finance degree. (laughs) I went back because I thought I was going to be a lender. And while I was in school, I had an accounting professor who changed our minds. They changed our opinions because he told us that accounting was more versatile, that finance was a good degree, it was always a great choice, and it would still provide you know, a great life. But if you really wanted versatility, he said, you need to consider accounting. And it's never left my mind. His advice still stays with me today, and it's something that I repeat to anybody that's asking me about what field they should go into, because... Accounting is present in every single industry in the world, in every single country in the world. So it doesn't matter where you go, what you want to do. They need somebody to keep the books, let them know if they're being profitable. And so that's really why I chose accounting. Interesting. Were you still working at the bank while you were going through school? Yes, sir. I come from a background that probably not many people share. I'm an immigrant from Mexico, and I came to the U.S., well, I was brought to the U.S. Uh, when I was four, about to turn five. And up until that time, you know, we didn't speak English, and of course, I'm from Mexico and not from a wealthy family. You know, we come from a little ranch. People practiced agriculture and had animals, you know, cattle. And so it was a different life. We had no running water in our house. It was in a little adobe house. And when we came to the U.S., it changed our lives, number one, you know, being able to be here. And, you know, once we started going to school, learning English and taking all of our education here, that changed our life. But mom really pushed for us to go and get further education. She didn't have the opportunity to do that. Neither did any of her siblings. And my sister and I are the first to graduate from high school in our family's history. And so that was a big deal for us. And then, of course, like I said, she pushed, you know, she really became our support system and our little personal cheerleaders. And so we knew that we were going to go to school. We just didn't know what. And I thought I wanted to be a nurse. And that's why I started nursing school. And then, you know, I got a job as a part-time teller at the bank. And that was going to help pay for my nursing education because we didn't come from a wealthy family. And while I was doing that, of course, fell in love with business and, you know, the Wood family that uh, owned the bank and, you know, my mentor, Brenda Denton. And so that's really kind of what prompted me to even consider an alternative to nursing. And after I did that, I still finished nursing. I graduated with my degree, but I never practiced. I immediately went back to get my finance degree, like I say. And then after maybe a couple of years of basics is when, no, not even a couple of years, maybe the first, you know, year of basics, our professor kind of did that switcheroo and changed our minds, several of us that were finance majors, and we all switched to accounting. And yes, I was working at the bank. I worked my entire schooling. I had to. (laughs) Wow. I mean, to talk about an individual of many talents. I mean, you know, you have the farming, you know, agricultural kind of background from your childhood and obviously accounting and you're even a nurse. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could take your blood pressure. I can start an IV if I need to give you a shot, you know, but there's so much that has transpired in the medical field that I almost can't even say, I really shouldn't say I'm a nurse. I can say I'm, I have the degree in nursing and that's really all I can do. But, you know, the knowledge stays with you and it's good to have. Um, education is, is never wasted. Wow. 
That is interesting. This is going to come out just smack dab in the middle of tax season, busy season. It'll be you know at the end of March, and so there are probably some people that will be listening that could use an IV actually at that. Point. <laughs> <laughs> probably yes. You know, we had to practice IVs on ourselves in nursing school on each other, and that was interesting. You know, we were just friends and students together, and yeah, we had to poke each other and and that was an interesting experience before you go and poke a real patient oh gosh okay wow i I don't want to faint during the recording of this and i've got a little (laughs) thing with needles i'm starting to have too many visualizations i'm sorry (laughs) no 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 that's okay that's that's on my side i think i'll move on you were with that bank for a long time can you take us through your career because i know you started as a teller but at one point did you or i guess at what point did you transition into accounting how did you get that opportunity and what did you do I think that took a while. I started as a part-time teller, and I always say this because it's funny. You know, my first job was Kentucky Fried Chicken, and I worked there. And when I went to banking, I I took a 50-cent pay cut because I was starting at the bottom, you know. But it was the best decision I could have ever made. I think I applied there, I don't know, three, four times. And finally, when I was given the opportunity and was hired on, I was so excited. I was an eager beaver. I wanted to learn everything. And if anybody needed something to be done, you know, I wanted to do it. And really what opened the door for me, surprisingly, is Spanish. We had a lot of customers that came into the bank and wanted to open a checking account or a savings account. And the person that opened our checking accounts, our new accounts representative, didn't speak Spanish. So what I started doing was translating. They would ask me if I could leave the teller line and go translate for the customer. And so I sat there and I did that so many times that I learned the spiel and that I learned you know, the process of opening an account that they asked me, well, do you want to go ahead and study or do this and take this job? And I was so excited for that opportunity. I said, sure. And after doing that, I transitioned into the teller supervisor. And of course, this is, I mean, not immediate. Time passed, months, but I just wanted to absorb everything. And over time, I became the lobby manager. And then, you know, maybe a couple of years down the road, you know, then I was able to become the branch manager. And from that, I remember they really invested heavily in their folks. They wanted to promote from within. And I loved that about Western National Bank. I think that they invested in you. And as a matter of fact, you know, my nursing school was helped by them too. They didn't care what degree or what field you wanted to work in or what you wanted to be. They just wanted you to get an education. And I think that goes back from Mr. Wood, the senior, the father. He was drafted in the war and didn't have the opportunity to finish his education. And that was a mantra that he had. He wanted people to go and get their education if that's what they wanted. And they had a scholarship that would reimburse you up to a certain amount of money, you know, based on certain criteria. But Yeah, that means that helped me and I wasn't going to end up in banking, supposedly. So as I'm working and learning and progressing and doing different things at the bank, I'm in school, you know, working my way through nursing school. And they even let me go to work in scrubs. I remember that when we had to go and do our clinicals, you know, so they let me come back, you know, after I had done my clinicals, I got off and I'd come back to work and they let me be in my scrubs. And I tell you, Western National Bank is near and dear to my heart. And if you ask why, you know, I was there that long, they're loyal to their people. They were, you know, they're not in existence anymore, but they were so loyal to their employees and treated us like family. And you just could only pay that back. You had to, you had that sense of responsibility and loyalty to them too. Wow. Yeah, that says a lot that they're allowing you 
actually supporting you and educating yourself in a field that they're not even going to be able to use directly, at least. Exactly. Wow. That is amazing. That really is amazing. So at what point did you finally get your break in accounting? Because it sounds like you went all the way to branch manager, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I went to branch manager. And then from there, I'm telling you, any opportunity that they had, I had a mentor. She was wonderful for me. And I'll never forget her either. Brenda Denton helped me a lot in my career at the bank because she pushed me. I remember I did not know how to write a letter, like an official letter to a customer, a proper letter, the proper salutation and, you know, wording it properly. And not that I'm an expert now, but she would tell me, go draft it and then bring it to me and we'll review it together. And so we would do that. And then when I came in, she had her handy dandy red pen and she would kind of bleed on it. But that's how I learned. And she was so encouraging. If something came up that was available in the bank for us to do something different or a new position came available or just an opportunity within an existing position or role, she would say, Elena can do that. Or Elena, you need to take that. And even if I was scared, I knew I'd have support. And I knew that they weren't going to just put me in a place where I would fail. So an opportunity after branch manager came up for me to become the training coordinator for the entire bank. And then after that, we had uh, not total turnover, but we had some turnover in, I think it was our human resources department. And Brenda oversaw marketing. And so I got to do newsletters and I got to help out with customer appreciation events and create the ads and got to do a little bit of that too. Learned how to set a table, officially a proper table at the bank. We had lunch with the CEO. And so those little things that my background would have never allowed for coming from the little ranch that I came from, I would have never known how to set a table. But the bank gave me so much in so many different areas. I feel like it really kind of fulfilled me as a person, well-rounded person. And I kind of grew up there. I became an adult. I started there when I was 19 and I stayed there for 16 years. So Sorry. And going back to how my progression came to be and how I ended up in the accounting department, it was when I finished my accounting degree that, or not entirely finished, I hadn't actually graduated from accounting, but they knew I was going to graduate in accounting. And so they went ahead and gave me an opportunity first to be in the audit department. So I got to go and do the audits, the entire 18-month cycle of audit. I was able to learn that and I was able to submit my work to our external audit firm. And so she would correct me and tell me what to look for. And so I kind of got an audit approach and experience even without leaving the bank. But of course, it was just focused on banking. And so once I had that opportunity and I finally got my degree, then they asked if I wanted to transition into the accounting department. And so I did that. And I was able to sit and learn every single person's duties and functions while I was in the accounting department so that I could duplicate in case they were out. That was a wonderful opportunity too. And finally, I was able to go into the assistant controller role. And that was right towards the end. I was studying for the CPA exam at that point. And I was able to step into that role because our controller at the time was being groomed for the CFO role. And I would in turn be groomed for the controller role over time. And that's when I finally made the decision that I need some public accounting. I don't have any. Both our CFO and our controller do. And even though I had been through so many departments in the bank and felt like I was at least a well-rounded banker, I didn't feel that I was a well-rounded accountant. 
I didn't know much about accounting except for banking. And so I spoke to our CEO and I told him, you know, my plan and my desire to maybe get a little bit of experience under my belt. And he agreed and said that we would make a plan and I would step out of banking for a year and a half, two years, go get that experience and return to banking. Hmm. In that interim that I was out, Frost Bank came and apparently made them a very nice deal because in that time, Frost came in and acquired Western National Bank while I was out in public accounting. And so my plans changed again. I didn't have the opportunity to return. Wow. I was curious about when you got your CPA certification. So thanks for bringing that in. I don't know if there's a story there or not, but was your path to becoming a CPA fairly direct or did you have some challenges in It was rather direct because once I decided that I was going to the field of accounting, that same professor that was so instrumental in making sure that we chose accounting as a field told us, well, if you're an accountant, you have to have a CPA license. You need that. They go hand in hand. You can't be one without the other. Doors won't open for you like they will if you have the CPA license. And so he ingrained that in us that we knew once we finished our career or our degree that we would need to go and get our CPA certification. For me, I think it probably was easier to go ahead and at least tackle the CPA license before the master's because of my nursing degree, I met the 150-hour requirement. So as long as I met the other requirements that you have to have so many classes in accounting and so many in finance and so many in business, or I don't remember the breakdown exactly, but because of my nursing, it helped me so that I just went back and got the necessary classes that I needed. And so I started to study. But it was, you know, when you said I'm a traditional, not the traditional student probably, because I went back a little later in life, it's probably because it took me so long, number one, because of nursing. And number two, I had to go a little bit slower paced because like I said, I didn't come from a wealthy family. While I did really well in high school and had some scholarships and some help, it's still hard. Trying to pay for an education is is still hard. And so I had to work and a heavy class load with a a 40-hour-a-week job is doable, but it's difficult. And so that's about the time that I knew that I needed to get my CPA license, but it just took me a little bit longer to get there, to be even in the race, because everything else had to be a little bit slower paced. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and actually, I said that. You weren't that much later in life than many people. I think the average age of finishing the exam, passing it all, is like just under 30 years old, 29 and something. So actually, you weren't that much older. That was a few years after that, but maybe had I not done the nursing degree, (laughs) I probably would have been on target with that. But hey, it's okay. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I was doing some math here from what I saw online, so no, that makes sense. Well, take us through to, you mentioned you went into public accounting, and in that time, the bank was acquired, so you couldn't go back there. Take us through from that time till now, because I know you're back in banking, so tell us about the rest of your career so far. Well, I went to a mid-sized public accounting firm, and I was able to do a little bit of audit and a little bit of tax. And I wish I could say I was enamored by tax, but gosh, I really was not. And the thing is, I left banking with the mindset that it's temporary. You know, I know I'm not staying in public accounting. I'm going to be here for a year, a year and a half, two years at the most, just to get an exposure and see some different industries and see something different than what I've seen, you know, my entire life. And once Frost acquired Western 
National Bank, you know, well, my original plan kind of went out the door. I mean, I could go back to banking and figure out something else. But at that point, I thought, why not try something different? So I stayed in public accounting for a little while. I think it was a little over a year and a half. And I was contacted by a recruiter and and asked about a job and if I wanted to meet. And so I thought, well, sure, I'll listen. And it was a local company, an equipment rental company. And you know what? It opened my eyes to a different world that was not banking. And not in a bad way or in a better way, just a different way. Banking is very structured. It's very clean. And when you go into a different industry, things don't always work like a bank does. It's so heavily regulated, you know, the banking industry is. And so things are just so streamlined. And in a smaller company, that's not always the case. They might not have the same potential to have the same type of expenditures for software and for all of these streamlined products and just efficiencies that, you know, you can have in banking. So that was different. Fixed assets in a way that we didn't have fixed assets at the bank except for furniture. Now you have equipment and now you have, you know, different depreciation and just a different approach to accounting, things that I had never seen before. And so that was wonderful. And our CFO at that location, at that business was great. He let me sit in on everything and he would include me, make sure that I knew what was going on and include me in conversations that probably I didn't have any business being in, but he wanted to be thorough. And his approach was always, you're my succession plan. And even if that wasn't going to be the way it ended up being at the end of the day, that was his approach. And I loved that. And I think that I've been blessed with the managers and the bosses that I have had over my career because none of them had the mentality of, I'm not going to show her how to do this because I need to reserve that knowledge for me. Everybody always trained. And I remember one of my bosses at Western National Bank, the mentor that I tell you about, Brenda Denton, she said, if nobody can replace you, if you don't put yourself or your knowledge, if you don't instill your knowledge in somebody else, then you will never be promoted. Somebody needs to be ready to take your job so that you can be given the opportunity to do something else. And I've followed that approach too. So I make sure that, you know, if anybody is reporting to me that I'm able to duplicate my knowledge into that person as well for that same reason, because I want growth in the future and I want an opportunity. And for somebody to do that for me, I feel like I need to do that for people too. Yeah, that topic has come up a lot on this show. It's just the easiest or most dependable way to get promoted is to make sure that you actually are replaceable in your department. (laughs) Because if you're not replaceable, well, then no one wants to move you. (laughs) That's Um, right. Yeah, that that is great. You've had some really good bosses and mentors. I don't know if you would classify them all as mentors, but it it sounds like you've just worked for some really good people over the years. Yes, I have been blessed to have some great leaders. And some of them, you know, I won't say that I learned great things from every single one. There's been an occasion or two where you learn how not to be, you know, and I think that that's just an important lesson as well. You know, just as important as learning how to be is knowing how you feel when somebody does something that maybe kind of hurt your feelings or made you feel less than, and maybe it wasn't intended, but you still kind of take that away as well. There's a lesson in everything. That's true. (laughs) You have a very positive outlook. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sometimes I might not sound as positive, but, you know, after I step back and see, you can always connect the dots looking backwards, right? And so looking backwards, I'm like, you know, that taught me a lesson too. At the moment, though, sometimes the lesson is hard. (laughs) It's hard to accept. That's true. That's true. So 
You mentioned to me that you're back in banking, not the same bank, obviously, because they were, they were acquired, but you're back in banking now. So tell us what you do now and what's a typical day, week, or month like for you in your role? Well, I haven't been back for very long. I was at an oil field, a different oil field company, and was really enjoying my time there, enjoying my life. I felt comfortable in what I was doing and enjoyed my day-to-day activities, enjoyed the people I worked with. And lo and behold, somebody reaches out to me and says, you know, we've got an opportunity in banking. Whereas I would probably not have listened to any other opportunity when they said the word banking. It just took me back to my good old days to my golden days. And it just, I could not accept the opportunity to hear what they had to say. And West Texas National Bank is similar to Western National Bank in so many ways. I was able to come back, surprisingly, the assistant controller. Again, I left banking as the assistant controller and I came back as the assistant controller, even though in the interim I've I've been controller before. But they asked me, you know, why would you accept an assistant controller role after having been a controller? And, And my answer is it's banking. I loved banking. I loved my 16 years in banking and I fully intended on going back, but life throws some curveballs at you and you kind of have to roll with the punches and go and, you know, learn something else and add some little notches to your belt. And so I was able to come back as the assistant controller. And so a typical day for me starts out with reviewing our daily statements, you know, financial statements, make sure there's no anomalies, make sure that, you know, the things, the auto balance reports and various other reports, daily transactions and journal entries that have been booked, they seem appropriate, they seem adequate, and then sign off on all of that. If it's month end, you were preparing board reports and we're preparing the monthly reconciliations. I have some that are assigned to me. Everybody has a few of them that are assigned to their respective person based on their job functions. And so we kind of distribute those and we review them amongst each other. We have payroll that needs to be booked. And so we book those journal entries, review those journal entries, I review fixed assets on a monthly basis. I review accounts payable for proper coding on a weekly basis. We issue letters of credit for our public fund customers. And so it's just every day can be different. It just depends. There's still accounting functions, but some of these are so just direct to banking. They're just specific to banking, you know, preparing a call report is specific to banking, submitting an FR2900 is specific to banking. So it's a great place to be, but it also requires some additional layers of knowledge that you probably wouldn't need to have if you were in just a public accounting, unless you're auditing banks, or if you're in just a different area of industry. But that's a typical day for me. Okay. Okay. And I know we were at the same, we didn't meet, but I know we were at the same meeting in Houston for the Texas Society of CPAs. So I'm assuming you hold some volunteer role with either in your local chapter or at the state. Is that correct? Yes, sir. I have been involved with my local chapter for a number of years now since I went into public accounting. So about, you know, maybe 2012. And it was a great opportunity. I was recommended by one of the other CPAs at the firm. And I think she did me a great service when she recommended me for that role. And I have grown, I feel like, as an accountant just by being able to be around some other people that are in other professions. So being involved in that led to some opportunities to become the president of the chapter, which allows you to be on the state chapter as well. And so once I got introduced in that, you know, I thought that was so neat. 
you know, before I didn't know about the state chapter before being involved in our local CPA chapter. And it was then that I thought, you know what, they do a great job in making sure that our profession is protected, that we go out and announce our profession, you know, to the schools and to the students and to make sure that, you know, the value of the CPA is kind of proclaimed out there to the masses. And I think that that's part of what really inspired me is go out and promote not just the accounting profession, you know, but also the CPA license, which has just, it has changed my life quite literally. So I'm so glad to be a part of that organization. And yes, I didn't get to see you there, but maybe on the next one, we'll get to meet. There you go. (laughs) So are you the president currently for your local chapter? No, that was several years ago. But, you know, having been the president kind of allows you to be on the state board, I think, for three years. Um, Yeah. And so after that, you know, I was able to serve in some other volunteer role capacities. I was able to serve on the nominations committee, and I was also asked if I wanted to participate in the strategic planning committee, which is what I'm a part of this year. And that is super exciting just to see and be a part of that organization, you know, to help kind of form a plan that, you know, is going to guide us for the next five, 10 years. That's very exciting. Yes. Yeah, it definitely is. You know, for the record, so I'm a past president of our local chapter, and I've told people many times, by far the best position is past president, because you get invited to everything, you know? Yes. <laughs> and, and you could do as much <laughs> as you'd like, you know, or, and obviously the flip side Or as little. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, it is. It's a great position to be in. And, you know, I mean, working as an active president is too, but yeah, you've got that, you know, responsibility on your shoulders too. But past president, you still get to be a part of everything with a little bit less role or responsibility in your role. Yes. Yeah. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Well, it sounds like, or well, I shouldn't say it sounds like, I know being a CPA has made a difference in your career and and I'm sure your life. I'm curious, are there any specific moments in your career that you can remember that really just stick out as you know you got picked for this or had this opportunity or had this, well, opportunity maybe to make a difference because you were a CPA? Anything that sticks out in your mind that's very attached to the fact that you're a CPA? Well, I wasn't a CPA at the time, but you know, I've been able to serve my church as treasurer and that was important to me. My faith is important to me and being able to give them of my knowledge and of my time was very special to me because you want to be able to give back and you might not be a millionaire and be able to give as much money as possible and sustain and do things that you would love to do, but giving of your time and knowledge is just as valuable. Probably not more because your time is irreplaceable. And I think that that's probably what I feel has been special for me is being able to contribute to the church in that manner. Yeah, that really is very special. Well, I'm curious with the background that you told us about immigrating here and you're not speaking English and everything that goes along with that. And given what you know now about how your life has turned out so far, if you could go back in time and tell yourself just one thing, your younger self, maybe give yourself a piece of advice, what do you think that might be? Probably if I were already here and had already graduated, I'd say pick one career because I'd get to school so much faster. But in retrospect, I can't be upset about my choice to maybe do nursing first. And what the irony is my sister did business first. She got her degree in healthcare administration first. And she went back to school later and became a nurse and has her master's in nursing. And I did the opposite. I started nursing and didn't practice and, you know, later went back and got my business degree. 
And she toys with the idea of, you know, becoming a CPA. And there's a couple of my little cousins that came also and said that they think they want to do accounting too. So I would probably tell myself, pick a job or pick a degree and pick a career and stick with it. (laughs) You know, that would be great advice. And you probably still end up doing something a little different anyways. (laughs) Yep, probably. (laughs) The way life goes. I think, you know, I didn't pick accounting. I think it kind of picked me. I didn't go with the notion that I was going to be an accountant. And as a matter of fact, you know, my mentor that I tell you about, she'd say, Elena, accountants, you know, they don't have a big personality. That's not you. She said, you're very chatty. You're very outgoing. And she's right. But I want to change that idea and perception about accountants. I think we are fun. I think, you know, we are exciting and some of us can be a little bit loud and chatty. And so, yeah, it probably didn't fit the traditional mold of an accountant that's probably more reserved. But I think I'm going to try to change that perception that the public holds about us. You need to invite her to one of our state society meetings. Yes. She'll see a different size. (laughs) Yes, I agree. Well, I end every podcast with the same three questions, and I want to make sure we have time for those, and I know time is getting a little late here, so probably better get started with those. The first one's usually the easiest. From a career perspective, what's been your proudest moment? You know, Mark, I have to go with obtaining an education. We discussed my background, and I feel like I had several, if you will, strikes against me, being a female, being an immigrant, being a minority, not being wealthy, and not speaking the language. You know, you have several of those kind of already against you that you got to kind of cross over all of those barriers as it is. And just being able to attain an education in and of itself, coming from my background, already changed our lives. It did wonders. And that... An education is what allowed me to have every other subsequent opportunity that I have had. Of course, you know, getting the CPA license has helped in that regard as well. It's magnified the opportunities that are available for anybody. But, you know, education is just so important. It opens the doors for you that you probably didn't even know were shut. Uh, And so I think that if anybody is toying with the idea of, do I go back to school? It's absolutely worth it. It is worth it. Go back, go do it, pick what you like, but, you know, do it. Wow. That's the proudest moment and greatest advice. All all, all in one answer. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Well, second question. Tell us about a lesson you learned the hard way. And the more you can tell us about the situation, the better, because frankly, that's how our listeners learn. That's how we learn. Well, I'm not going to advocate for a particular software, but I will say that studying for the CPA exam requires effort. It requires time. It's meant to be that way. It should be that way. It should not be easy that you don't have to study for it. But I studied thinking that I would still be able to have a social life. And I realized quickly that I have to devote the time, the effort that it requires to study and pass this exam. It was difficult. And so after having to retake the exam, I realized, you know what, I need to do what I need to do. I personally used Becker and I feel like, like I said, I'm not, you know, promoting one versus another. There's many great softwares out there, but you have to sit and you have to study and you have to do the practice questions and you have to take the simulated exams. Some people 
people might not need that, you know, but I'm not a genius. I feel like very normal. And I think the CPA exam is a difficult exam. And so I, had I known that, probably had I maybe, I don't know, taken the simulated exams before, you know, I sat for the real exam, I, I would have known. And so after that, my approach changed. And that's what, you know, made me be more diligent and ultimately helped me pass the exam. Yeah, that is a good lesson. We've done a few episodes on sort of tips and techniques for passing the exam from the actually getting advice from people that recently passed because it is difficult. And But you're right, it's designed to be that way and it should. <laughs> it, should it should be. be That's right. Well, last question and then we'll go ahead and close it down. What is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? I was told once, nothing worth having comes easy. And I have never forgotten that lesson. I think that if you want to value something and if you want to appreciate something, it has to cost you something. It has to cost you your time, your effort, your sweat, your tears, your blood, something. In this case, the CPA exam, I feel like it costs a little bit of everything too, but it was worth it. And nothing worth having comes easy. So the CPA exam is something of value, is something that is worthwhile. And one of the things that I think the CPA exam does for you is it speaks for you. You know, as you enter a room and somebody sees or knows that you're a CPA, they immediately know that you know something. You don't even have to speak. You don't have to open your mouth. And that designation speaks for you louder than you could probably speak for yourself. And I think that that's important. So you know, the CPA exam is worth it. The accounting degree is worth it. So nothing worth having comes easy. I'll say it again, but I think that that's probably what sticks to me the most. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, that is wonderful advice. And, you know, just thank you. Thank you so much for being willing to share your story because I heard at the society meeting that you had a great story to share, but I didn't know all the details. And so I really appreciate you being willing to come on the show as well. Absolutely. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity and the platform. Well, that was our interview with Elena Labario. And like I mentioned before, what an inspirational story. I really enjoyed recording this. And I'm really glad that Elena made time for this interview. It really was fun. <laughs> this discussion really, really was refreshing. Well, thank you again for joining us. I'm Mark Goldman, your host for the Where Accountants Go podcast. If you did enjoy this episode, please make sure and leave us a rating. We really, really do appreciate each and every rating. And if you're looking to further your own career, we have a couple books out there for you. You can find them both on Amazon, 49 Tips for a Successful Accounting Career and 49 Tips for Working with a Headhunter, both available on Amazon. Well, thank you again for joining us. We will see everyone next week. There's more to come.